Welcome back, everyone, to the Boiler Upload podcast. I am your host, Travis Miller, the publisher of Boiler Upload. And just as a reminder, our podcast is always brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com to get some great vintage Purdue gear. Use code Boiler Upload and you can get a discount on your first order. Uh, if it's not your first order, throw in that code anyway. And uh, that gets us a little bit of a kickback on them from the good people at Homefield Apparel because they are awesome. And also, we are, as always, brought to you by Reindeer Shuttle, because driving to the airport sucks. And uh, Casey did not do any driving to the airport. You didn't fly to Europe, did you? I did not go to Europe. Um, for some reason, that wasn't put into my budget this year. I should have put up my contract. That's on me. Um, <laughs> I'm sure any, any world travel will need to be addressed. Well, I mean, we're going to have to get Miles Colvin out of Austria, aren't we? I think that involves a heist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to travel over in other countries. They have whole <laughs> different rules on it. Well, what we can do is we can talk to uh, Jim over at Reindeer Shuttle. We can see if he can dispatch a shuttle over to Vienna and uh, get Miles back here. And uh, we'll we'll make sure that he gets back in time for the season I- opener in November. So I'm kind of bummed. The girlfriend and I are going to Atlanta and then Cancun in like three weeks. But she lives in Indianapolis, so I won't even get a chance to take the shuttle. Uh, I'm legitimately sad. That's how nice the <laughs> shuttle is. Yes, it is. And we, we do appreciate Reindeer Shuttle for uh, sponsoring us and taking care of us. But they will take you to Indianapolis or O'Hare Airport from West Lafayette. And they're, they're great. Let them do, do the driving for you. Uh, as you know, that was Casey Bartley, our basketball correspondent with us tonight and always with us and ready to talk about Purdue's newest quarterback, Jace Jellison. How are you, Jace? I'm doing well, Travis. How are you? I am good. I am good. And I'm happy because it looks like uh, Ryan Walters has found his quarterback for 2025. What can you tell us about Sawyer Anderson? Yeah, most definitely. This is a guy that kind of popped on Purdue's radar um, back in May, I'll talk a little bit about kind of his story. I think it's a really cool story after talking to him and his coach. Um, but things moved very quickly with him. Um, he was viewed as one of the top two guys in the class for Purdue in terms of targets, him and Ryan Montgomery, uh, who's a four-star guy. He actually just – Montgomery actually just released his top five, and I think Purdue would have been in it had Anderson not committed. So uh, Purdue was in a really good spot with both guys, but um, Anderson ended up pulling the trigger first. Um, kind of going back into his story a little bit. So he's teammates with Caleb Mitchell Irving, um, who's obviously a 2024 commit uh, defensive end. And so Brick Haley was down there seeing him. Uh, Coach Daniel um, Novodik, um, he said, hey, I want you to take a look at, at this quarterback, Corey Anderson. And Haley walked away impressed, called up Graham. Graham flew down there. Watched him, offered him on the spot after seeing him throw, um, and then they they kind of came back after the spring eval period. Watched all the 2025 guys, and they said, "Hey, we we like this this guy the best. I mean, he's he's at the top of our board." Um, I, I haven't confirmed this story, but I'd have to assume that Ryan Montgomery was in the same boat as well um, because they both visited the same week uh, at the end of July, and I mean, talking about. Sawyer Anderson, he was blown away by Purdue. I don't think he knew a whole lot about the program or, or the direction that it was going, but 
Um, he was very impressed. Uh, he just kind of fell in love with it. And from the minute he stepped off campus, he knew that he was going to be going back there. So um, obviously committed earlier today by the time we're recording this. And um, I mean, you, every class you're going to want to get a, a, a top tier quarterback to your guy and for Purdue to knock that off the list already in 2025 is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I was looking at his stats here, and I know he plays for a you know small parochial school down in Texas, but he's won two state championships with them. He's got a 24-2 record as a starter, 6,000 yards passing, 69 touchdowns, just 10 interceptions. And this is a kid that started as a high school freshman, which, uh, you know, small school, small class, whatever, that's still pretty impressive to be putting up those numbers when you start as a true freshman. Can I just give a warning right now? As a site, we're allowed to compare him to Drew Brees twice in the next two years. And once that <laughs> quota is used, we're not using it again. I know. I, uh, I'd have to disagree. I think we can use it twice. Once. Okay, once. Less is fine. <laughs> because once he gets on campus, people are going to start throwing it out left and right, especially <laughs> if he comes in and, and, and plays well. I, I would be thrilled. <laughs> I feel like there's a little erasure of uh, Drew Brees on Purdue because I think Brees threw like 20 interceptions a year during the good times. So so I'm, I'm glad to see he's only 10 interceptions in two years. <laughs> well, that's because Brees was having games where he was throwing 70 and 80 times a game. Too. That will do it, yeah. <laughs> also, the defenses were always awesome. <laughs> I mean, that, the famous Ohio State game – he threw for 455 yards, but had four interceptions. Yeah, no, he threw like Carson Wentz level interceptions at times. We don't talk yeah. about it because, you know. He's Breeze. I mean, West Lafayette Mafia, you're not allowed to bring it up. But <laughs> but but going back to Anderson, yeah, he's put up some good numbers. And naturally, anytime that you get a quarterback out of Texas, there's people are going to be start thinking about Breeze. And we don't want to overlook Marcos Davila either. Yeah, and I mean, per, I mean, the last three classes, including uh, 2023, if you include Hudson Card and, and all the transfers, Purdue's got three quarterbacks all from Texas in the last three years with Hudson, um, obviously Marcos Tipple, like you said, and, and Sawyer Anderson. I mean, it, it really doesn't come as any surprise with Graham Harrell and Seth Dagey both being, um, I mean, Graham Harrell's arguably one of the top quarterbacks in college football history. Um, Seth Deggy did some really good things at Texas Tech, and then Stanton Keene's kind of the the guy behind the scenes that I don't think a lot of people see. Um, he also played at Texas Tech, and um, he's been a big part of the recruiting trail. So, I mean, those three guys, um, they're killing it in the state of Texas, obviously getting a four-star. Hudson Card, who they thought was the best quarterback in the portal, and now um, Sawyer Anderson, who I think could have blown up had Purdue not gotten him uh, this soon, but... And I see another reason we're going to see the comparisons to Breeze. Only six feet tall. That's well short for a quarterback. Uh, but, you know, Bree, it worked out for Breeze and everything else. And I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons he's only a three-star so far. Yeah, I could see. I haven't talked to any of the rivals rankings guys um, about him too in-depth. But, um, yeah, like you said, he's, he's six foot. I was talking to his coach, um, and he said he was 135 pounds coming into his freshman year. Good Lord. It Going back to that freshman year a little bit, he was coming in for Preston Stone. He was a four-star guy, like a top 50 rivals recruit. Um, 
all state, all American. I mean, you name it. He had all the accolades. Went to SMU. A lot of people thought that Parrish was going to have a rebuilding year. Kid comes in 135 pounds to start the summer, ends up winning the starting job over a junior and a senior, uh, leads him to a state championship as a freshman. I think just that just kind of speaks to his psyche and 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 his his ability um, on the field. But kind of going back to his frame a little bit, he's six foot, about 180. He told me he's weighing in right now. Um, his coach called him a gunslinger, which I which I see because obviously he's a little smaller and has sort of an unorthodox throwing motion. Um, his coach kind of resembled it to a, a shortstop because he has a baseball background. He has this little like flick, but. I mean, he still has a really good arm, a very fast release, and he's really accurate with it. So um, his his size hasn't played too much of a factor um, in his play just yet. I think, I mean, you look at him, he's only 15 or 16 right now. He's still got at least three years of bulking up and growing to do before he, he would even see the field at Purdue, probably more. Um, so I don't think that his, his size will be much of an issue because we've seen um, – I'm not comparing him. We've seen the likes of of Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Caleb Williams most recently, smaller quarterbacks that have gotten the job done at the college level. So obviously him being six foot and a little on the on the lighter side is not, not that big a deal. And like you said, it, I mean, he's still got two more years of high school. There's a very good chance he's going to have a red shirt year. So you're looking at somebody who's not going to be the starter for, you know, until 2026, 27 at, <laughs> at the earliest. At the earliest. That, I mean, I, I, the, the staff is really high on Marcos Davila too. So he could come in, start for two or three years, head off to the NFL in a perfect world. And then Sawyer Anderson comes in and takes over the reins. And that that's pretty much the reason that you get at least one quarterback every, every class. You want to have that that uh, ability to transfer from one guy to the other. And you never know who's going to lose the tr- the position battle. You never know who's going to hop in the transfer portal. I mean, it, it's just crazy. There's, there's nothing guaranteed anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you even look back at like Danny Etling and Austin Appleby obviously came in here under Hazel and, and did, had some okay performances. Um, I think they were more of a byproduct of the people around them um, and just that whole operation. But, um, I mean, those guys were highly touted coming in and, and didn't 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 turn themselves into NFL draft picks at Purdue or anything like that. Um, obviously, entered the transfer port, or I don't even think it was a transfer portal back then. Uh, went to LSU in Florida though, um, and then it's someone like Aiden O'Connell comes in here as a as a walk on and, um, and and lights the world on fire. And now he's he might start for the Raiders this year. Who knows? So um, you can't put, <laughs> you can't put all the all your stock into um, these rankings and and how how much hype is surrounding a prospect, especially coming out of high school. Because um, I mean, rivals is really good at what they do. All the I all say, the except rivals rankings, those have <laughs> oh, always yes. been perfect. Yes, they're, they're always. I mean, they're great at what they do, but um, you're never going to hit 100 percent of the time. So, <laughs> well, speaking of those rivals rankings, uh, we got some new ones today. What changed with Purdue's class as it is still a top 25 class with 21 commitments, uh, ranking exactly 25th in the nation um, compared to everybody else. And unfortunately, Alabama did finally pass us. So, I mean, what can you do? That's the only way they're going to beat Purdue anyway. So, 
Yeah, unfortunately for Purdue, not much changed uh, with the Rivals 250 update. Um, I think that's more for the schools like Alabama and Georgia that have a bunch of four- and five-star guys that can rise and fall um, throughout the recruiting cycles. Um, the only guy that really rose was Coy Beasley. Um, just, I mean, in March, he, was, he wasn't he was ranked. He was still a four-star, but he wasn't ranked. He's up to 184 now, um, and he's a, he's a top guy in the class in terms of um, rankings and things like that. Um, which, I mean, that doesn't really surprise me, just watching his tape and seeing how much Purdue wanted to go after him and, and seeing the buzz that he's gotten coming out of high school. Um, he, it's shaping up for him to be a really special player at Purdue. Uh, Marcos Davila dropped a couple spots. He's kind of been fluctuating, um, but I don't think that's anything on that he did in particular. I think it's just guys that maybe picked up steam on the recruiting trail and, and just jumped in. So uh, those are the only two guys that moved. Kondra Henry still isn't ranked. Um, and those are only four stars. We're sure the, the guys that are affected in the 250 rankings. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. The The other underrated thing here is everybody in the class is at least a three-star, except for Spencer Thorat, Porat, excuse me, who is your kicker. And you're not going to get a three, four, five-star kicker, honestly. I do have a question. Why can't we just scale it? Like, it's that hard to imagine what a three-star kicker is. I think the kickers have their own, like kickers and long snappers and punters. They have like their own specialist rankings when they go to like the uh, sailor kicking schools and whatnot. So they like do have five stars there, but so they have like Cole, like Porath is a five star. I believe he's a five star unless something's changed on Cole's kicking and Corn Blue, which are the two like main ones. There's just some guy out here that that gets to decide what our kickers are. Well, it's not even just some guy. It's like they have like whole academies and camps that they go to I mean, over the summer and get evaluated. These dudes, they they you have to pay to go to these camps. <laughs> so you go to the kicking and punting camps and I guess long snapping camps. I don't know. Um, and and these guys, I mean, they make their whole living off kind of I don't want to say celebrating, but helping helping those guys get recruited and things like that. So that's where it comes from. It's not like. Some random dude watching tape and saying, "Oh, he's a five star, he's a four star." Yada, yada, yada. But I think for rivals and every other recruiting service, for that matter, it's like it's just how good the prospect is is their star ranking. So it's like overall, how good of a prospect are you? Which I don't so know if you have- answers your question, but so to get a five star kicker, you'd have to have a kid guy that can kick, return kicks, uh, play quarterback, plays receiver. Uh, just you know, all over the place. I just think it's weird. It's fine. It's, it's a very. It's really. <laughs> tricky, it's really. Tricky. I, I, it's fine. It's it's. He he sounds awesome. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I mean, rivals doesn't even do position rankings for kicker. Is at least as far as I can see here. So. I don't know, man. I, I agree with you. I think it would be nice to have at least the positional rankings there, but I mean, maybe Carson Wiggs was a three-star kicker. I somehow remember him being pretty highly rated as a kicker, but I just maybe uh, maybe if we treated kickers like actual football players, they they might be tougher. Like have to go up against it <laughs> instead of just getting their own little their little secret school and rankings. That's all. <laughs> Carson Wiggs was a two-star. Carson that's wild. Wiggs two I watched star. that man hit a 59-yard field goal to end half. That's, he was just I, watched on, 
I watched him hit like a 70 yarder in a spring game once. I mean, yeah, it's a spring game, but it was still impressive. Seven tenths of the field. Quick math. Dynamite. Dynamite. <laughs> Wouldn't it be half the field? Careful. Yeah, because careful. No, careful. <laughs> careful. Yeah, you're asking three liberal arts majors to do math. Technically be seven twelfths of a of a field. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, do we have any uh any further updates like from camp or anything that we should know of? I know that they continue to be quite secretive with what's going on in fall camp. Mm-hmm. A couple injuries. I think we talked about it last week, but uh, Jamal Edrin out for the year with a torn ACL. Josh Kaltenberger, who's getting first team snaps at center, he got carted off last week. Um, I didn't. I mean, we were outside, so we couldn't really tell like what the injury was. They they brought out an air cast, put on his leg, and everything. Um, Coach Walters today said that he got quote unquote dinged up, um, and but that he'll be fine. So he didn't give a. Um, a timeline for when he could return, but I think he narrowly escaped a, a very serious injury. So, um, and then uh, Dion Burks has been out. Salim Turner Muhammad has been out. Uh, a couple other guys, uh, freshmen and, and walk-ons and and what have you. But Walters wasn't really concerned with any of the, any of those injuries. Um, he said that they're mostly soft tissue things, and that um, he has no qualms about them being back for the season opener. So. Didn't Burks make that uh, the athletics uh, freaks list or whatever this week? I do not know. Have you guys uh, ever met someone with a qualm? I hear a lot of people that don't have any. <laughs> I hope I use that word right. You used it right. I'm just saying you never hear anyone say, I've got qualms about that guy. Yeah, this is true. Trying to spice up the lingo, Casey. I'm here. I'm just no. I think we need to spice it up, and I think we need to start having qualms. We should have. We should go through the dictionary. (laughs) Each podcast that we. All right. Well, speaking of qualms, we'll shift over to Europe, where qualms are in metric, and uh, talk about some. That is a transition. I didn't even think you were going to attempt to tie it up. I just thought you were going to say qualms a bunch. No, no. I I am a professional at this. Purdue went and played at the Isle of Qualms. (laughs) Well, I I think they visited the uh, the 16th century battlefield in uh, Qualms, France. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Now the transition has gone too long, but we'll, we'll, it's time to talk about Purdue basketball. And the team was over in Europe, and it sounds like they had a successful trip, even if there were a couple of uh, minor injuries that came out of it. How, how are things looking, Casey? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you would qualify, because I think the number one thing you would say is you don't want any injuries. And I'm not entirely sure what Camden Heidi was going for. It, it was clearly a dunk. I've never seen anyone miss their legs and feet so much coming down. It didn't look like he got hit. He just jumped really high from the side and just landed straight on his back. Um, so that left him out of the fourth and final game, which was against, I would say the first and the second, the first and the last game were by far the best competition. Um, it was like BK Bruno or whatever in the fourth game. And they definitely had the best length that Purdue saw and probably overall athleticism. The first game probably had a team with the best offense and playmaking. 
Um, but yeah, Heidi gets hurt. Morton went to Europe hurt, never got to see him get on the floor. Um, and then Miles Colvin missed the last game because of some kind of passport issue. So there was definitely some things that Purdue probably would have liked to get more out of, but Purdue did win four games. Uh, I think the big revelation is how good the big guys around Zach Eady can be. Um, the two guys that stand out, obviously Trey Kaufman, Wren, who had 24 points in the last game, combining for 40 points with Caleb first, who had 16. Um, I personally find Caleb first, the most fascinating player on this Purdue team. I think we've all talked at times throughout the season how it feels like he was a little underused just for how good it can be on the defensive end. But I really think in this Europe trip, he showed that just his ability to really move and get into his role, um, his quickness as a big and ability to finish at the rim is something that Braden Smith looked really comfortable using in the intra-squad scrimmage and it carried over into Europe. And that is a that is another way to really create space for an offense. When you have a big who is capable of just carving up the middle of the floor, drawing attention and, or just getting dunks. And I really think that getting that chemistry and having that weapon opposite of Zach Eady or if Zach Eady is not on the floor, I think that is definitely a big development going into the season. Absolutely. Because yeah, I loved when first it, whenever he got in the game, he seemed to just make some good things happen. And honestly, I felt he, when he was on the floor early in the second half of the uh, fairly Dickinson game, that was the best Purdue played all night. And so, like you said, that that's kind of where the feeling that he was a little bit underused comes from. And well, he is a former top 50 recruit now entering his third year. It's if not for Zach Eady, he would be starting very likely. Yeah, and if not for Miles Colvin, he'd be the best athlete on the team. He was the best athlete on the team last year. I think really early in the season, um, you know, he took that starting role when Mason Gillis got hurt. And during that stretch, uh, Purdue played their best basketball. I don't think that's a total coincidence. His jump shot has never truly been what you would like it to be if he's a floor spacer. But again, if you have him on the ball setting screens or something he did quite frequently in Europe, which is just catch on a closeout and then drive through the hoop using his length and speed. Those are really good ways to use him to create opportunities to score, get to the free throw line. And those kind of expansions to his game speak really well because he is, he will not garner a lot of attention, especially if he's playing with Zach Eady. So it is house money to get points from that. And especially as Braden Smith evolves as a pick and roll player and running the offense away from Edie, I think first is probably his number one weapon to make his life easier. Yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you had a couple of other guys with that athleticism with Heidi and Colvin, you know, how is that going to make Purdue look different this year? Because it seems like, you know, I believe it was John Rothstein's like, yeah, Purdue is already more athletic than it was at any point last season. And I think those three guys are a big reason for that. Yeah. I, I think it's the easy thing to make. I'm not entirely sure the athleticism is going to be as big of a deal breaker, just because Miles Colvin is not good on defense right now. Um, And that's fine to say he's a true freshman who's been with Purdue for about three weeks of practice. Uh, 
it will get better during the season. But I think what Miles Colvin really showed in Europe is just his ability to make a jump shot. His jump shot looks very good. He was knocking down uh, Europe range threes very comfortably. I think that's huge. I think Camden I Heidi provides more on the defensive end. Also a good shooter. Their athleticism to attack closeouts definitely exists, and that is absolutely a net positive. You want more of that, but just the ability to make shots. And Colvin, Colvin especially, just willing to take shots at all three levels, whether that's through athleticism or just his skill. But, like, he is a highly skilled player. And having that around as a fourth, fifth, fifth option, someone on the wing that can create is going to be really good for an offense that did stagnate at times last year. Absolutely. And I know the other one that impressed you was uh, Brian Waddell. And he oh, put up some really good He is too. huge. And I, I, I said it the first time I saw him this year at practice in the summer. The dude has put on muscle. He has cut. There are biceps there just locked to his arm. He was a... He was just a skinny white boy last year recovering from a knee injury. And like he has put on weight. And now all of a sudden you're talking about he is every bit of 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", range. He's very long. Um, Like I said last week or two weeks ago, one of the highest verticals, if not the highest vertical on the team. And he's just gets from point A to point B. He knows what he's doing on the floor. He's aggressive with it. He's assertive with it. And that kind of size and IQ, and if he can knock down shots, he was very willing to take shots. Um, started off hot in Europe, kind of missed his threes the last couple games. But if he's taking those, if he's making those, if he's doing all the small things around him, he just, the offense flows when he's on the court. And if you want to talk about someone that can just really help facilitate around Zach Eady, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, or when, uh, especially when Lawyer goes to the bench, because Pretty really does kind of come to a halt at times on offense. Someone like Waddell who moves the ball well and can shoot and in theory attack and score at different levels really is going to make a difference. Absolutely. And it seems like the the biggest, I would say, detriment at this point is there's not really a backup point guard. Is I, I, I was encouraged by the way Lance Jones's play evolved. Um, you know, he had a family emergency and missed pretty much the whole week of practice before the interest got scrimmage. Um, he's been dealing with that. So he hasn't played a bunch of basketball with Purdue. The system is not natural for him. You know, last year he was playing off ball more. But I thought in the third and especially this fourth game, there were little stretches where he really showed that he is capable of making plays off the dribble uh, very fast. He's a strong guard. He's got a decent pull-up game that he's confident with. Um, Needs to be a little more efficient than his last season, obviously. But he is someone that, as he gets more comfortable, he can definitely – he's not a true point guard. I was talking to Rafael Davis about this a little bit. He's not a true point guard. But, again, you can kind of get away with that in Painter's system, and he can do just enough of the other things that I do think he will be an option for two, three, four-minute stretches running the offense. And yeah, I was, I was encouraged by it. He got a layup, a pull-up jumper and an assist to Trey Kaufman ran within like three minutes and just little playmaking like that is going to go a long way in the six to 10 minutes. Smith will be on the bench. 
Okay, so now now that we've seen this team for four games without Edie, and obviously we know what we're going to get with Edie, what is the biggest difference, do you think, between last year's team, which was obviously very, very good, and this year's team, which a lot of say, people are saying it's better? I think it's better. Um, I think there's two reasons why this is both an alarming and not alarming thing to say. I don't think they're terribly different. This is a team that won the Big Ten by three games last year. They rolled through and was ranked number one for seven weeks. It was a good basketball team last year. Is this team... It, it still has a little bit of the problem. Braden Smith is still a high turnover, high variance point guard. He is small. He will get into trouble by dribbling into lanes and getting up in the air, and his size kind of makes it hard for him to get rid of the ball at times. Fletcher Lawyer is still not an A-plus athlete or shooter. He does everything else better than you think, but he's not quite as good of a shooter as you would think. And then around them, there are a lot of guys that are tweener shooters and scorers, and that's going to be what Miles Colvin hopefully can add, what Lance Jones can add, what Camden Heidi can add. Just a little more consistent shot making around Zach Eady will be the difference between an A minus squad last year and an A plus top four program, I think. And then I think the thing with Europe, produce they've got to tighten up on defense. They've got to be a little more physical and they've got to be a little more locked in one through five. But I mean, it's still, you know, you're looking at a team that their basement is going to be better than yeah. all but what 10 teams in the yeah. nation. And that is literally <laughs> just having Zach Eady on the floor. Right. I mean, we're going to have Eady played what about 32 minutes a game last year. And I think yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this, you return the national player of the year. You've got all these pieces around him. It's going to be one heck of a team regardless. So uh, I'm, I'm just curious to see how things will be different. And I, I like what you mentioned with the shooting, because I think if you can put two shooters out there, there's going to be open looks, there's going to be more spacing and that that's going to give them a different look just by, just by having those two shooters. Yeah. And I, I've gone through most of this without really mentioning Trey Kaufman Wren, and I think that's where a lot of people go to just because of how many points he put up in Europe. And that's Mm -hmm. definitely something he's capable of. Like, if he gets space inside, he's going to make it. I I thought he looked more tenacious on offense. I thought he looked really good. Um, It's still going to be seen how well he can operate as a four, if that's Purdue's answer. Because you still have Mason Gillis there who's not capable of playing the five. And then you still have Caleb first there. He's probably Purdue's best offense defensively for sure. Um, so it, it will be a net positive if Trey can play productive four and boost the offense. But I will be curious to see if that's actually true or if he does just remain, you know, the best backup center in college. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No. Um, Final little dead period for basketball coming up. Um, football gets started soon, obviously. And then we are just a little over a month away from the exhibition game down in Arkansas. 
That's right. We do have the game against Arkansas this year. I I'd forgotten that they threw that exhibition so, together. So, we are. so is is that taking the place of secret scrimmage? Or I don't what? know. It's not secret. I, I as far as I know, teams are still allowed to have their secret scrimmage. So I would imagine there would still be one. But okay, we'll see. Man, that'd be a great regular season game to be honest. I mean, <laughs> Purdue already added Alabama and Toronto, so. And Arizona and Indy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they need to put any more blue bloods or uh, big programs on the schedule. Yeah, it'll it'll be nice. It'll be nice to see. And, so, uh, uh, Jace, do you have any final thoughts before we head out? Armad Branch and Christian G. Love days until Purdue football. Armad Branch and Christian G. Love is it G. Love or G. Love? I think it's G. Love. All right. Well. Uh, and that was as of today, so tomorrow will be a little bit different too. So, <laughs> the days do tick down. That they do, and uh, as Casey said, we're just a little over two weeks from football and getting ready to see the Ryan Walters era start. So we do thank you for uh, following us, for subscribing to us, for listening. Uh, we'd like to say a big welcome to our new subscribers we picked up this weekend. Uh, we I know we had a good site deal there, so welcome aboard. We're happy to have you. Uh, so for Jace and for Casey, and you know what, I'll even say it for Kyle, even though he's not here. I am Travis Miller of Boiler Upload and Boiler Up. <laughs>